It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com In today's episode of the Canon Podcast, join us as we break down Arteta's new attacking evolution, discuss how Arsenal are emotionally maturing, analyse two potential midfield signings, and discuss how Arsenal will beat an in-form Villa. Yes, guys, welcome back to the Canon Podcast. Arsenal are top of the Premier League. We're flying, it's looking nice. Not nice for every other team, though. United got a win last night, which is a bit surprising. Chelsea got smashed. Did you guys see that? What was the XG? Four. Like 40 United. This is Eric Ten Hag's Man United with Anthony <laughs> starting getting a four XG. Jesus. Listen. I didn't actually watch the game, but I, I watched Scott McTominay's post-match and because uh, I was watching the Aston Villa uh, City game. And he said Anthony was world-class. And I was like... This is a bit of a weird question. I, I haven't I haven't watched the game, but yeah. I doubt that. <laughs> bit of a weird question. Uh, George, do you reckon McTominay would cook at Arsenal under Arteta? No. He's got a lot of central running power, no? Central running power, arriving late. Oh, arriving to the box number eight. No, do you not no, think so? Surprise target. Hey, listen, when Mikel signs him in the summer, George will be like, yeah, mate, he's got the minerals. Yeah, yeah. He's got the minerals. <laughs> but um, yeah. Arsenal had the minerals, uh, quite a lot of minerals, with a last-minute winner against Luton. It was uh, it feels like a while ago now because so much has happened since then. Yeah. But uh, we need to talk about Arsenal's attack, specifically Gabriel Jesus and Kai Havertz. It looks like Arsenal have like, almost a new front two. Uh, both Jesus and Havertz scoring, both combining, I'd say, is for each goal as well, especially the Havertz goal. We'll go to George first. What do you make of this new dynamic Mikel's gone to with Havertz playing more as a secondary striker? And, you know, that's three goals in four games now. It's a role that suits him. Um, you know, it's something kind of we've talked about on the pod quite a bit. The beginning part of the season, our midfield kind of eight role has switched in the last couple of games. And it's been something we've called for on the podcast. I think it's just about understanding um, where we're going to get the best out of these players. And I think that broadly, you can kind of look at last season, right? And you look at what we miss with basically Thomas Partey, Granit Xhaka, and see how are we going to rework some skills? And I've been really thinking about kind of Mikel's transfer strategy in the past. You look at some of the big, tall strikers, and then you look at kind of Husam Awar, who was one of his first central midfield targets. And I start to look at, what is it that Gabriel Jesus starts to give us in deeper areas, very much like kind of that tempo, a lot of the the uh, the ball to feet action that maybe a Noir would give. And then you look at kind of what would that maybe, I don't know, 
Tammy, Tammy Abraham, a, uh, a kind of Vlahovic, insert your previous target here. Havertz is giving a lot of those kind of physical qualities up front. And together as a duo, Jesus and Havertz really dovetail quite nicely. Um, you know, Jesus is somebody that likes the ball to feet and likes to kind of um, create chaos in and around the ball. Kai Havertz likes to ca- have kind of chaos off the ball. So they do dovetail quite nicely. And if you can get them close together, um, they can absolutely combine um, and expose the best qualities of each other. Um, I, I, I think mainly, though, the, the rise in Havertz is we're seeing a huge difference in his aggression in possession. I know that's something that we've highlighted here in the past, but we're seeing it. There was this one moment uh, beyond the goal that he takes the ball kind of in the middle third that I was quoting on the old X. And, you know, he takes it from his half into the opponent's half and he's driving his first instinct isn't to receive under pressure and recycle. It is to turn and run and go. That is kind of the confidence that we're talking about, right? And then now we just need to see some of that passing because he's got that. Um, and, and look, we laugh about the central running power, but Havertz has it. He has that ability to open his legs up and really leave dust behind. And I don't think we've seen it just enough. Just like Scott McTominay. So get him in. <laughs> so hey, what Havertz and McTominay, six foot four, six foot four. <laughs> That would be, be a taste on the field. With Paulinho behind him. Oh. <laughs> Paulinho, Rice, McTominay, Havertz. Who needs attackers? <laughs> yes. And, and look, I, I think Jesus, ironically, I thought he had a tough opening 15 minutes. He was really chasing his touch. And then I think after the first goal um, that we scored, we really saw him take over. Um, and I think a fit Jesus is really important for this run-in. I really think that we need to start to maximize points. And the whole game kind of, for me, hinged on Arsenal's ability to show fight and to show an ability to come back. Because last season, I felt as though every time we conceded, we scored quickly afterwards. And I think that response was needed in an atmosphere kind of like the one that we experienced. Um, you know, and Kenilworth is a serious place. I don't know if uh, a lot of people are going to be picking up points easily there. Um, you know, Alfie Doughty, somebody that I really impressed me on their team. But um, all in all, I, I think that the Havertz-Jesus partnership could be something that we're looking at um, in modern football generally, the idea of this floaty second striker um, combined with kind of a, a, a kind of versatile attacker that's got great ball striking, um, mm-hmm. but has an ability to, to operate in tight spaces. I think that we're going to see striker partnerships come back into the Premier League and be all, in a lot more focus. It's funny because we kind of mentioned this uh, when Havertz are struggling. We said that, you know, maybe he was assigning for the future where we have a, a, a target number nine, like an Aussie man, and they link up. And now we're seeing it with Jesus and you're going, hang on a minute. Maybe we were onto something. I'm not saying, you know, we got more than Mikel Arteta, but maybe Mikel was onto something in the first place. And we, you know, saw it a little bit earlier. But I think the real thing for me is the way that, you know, our midfield looks balanced now. With Erdegaard in a role that he functions better. Rice doing what he does amazing, which is everything basically. And then you've got Havertz playing in a higher up position in the pitch. Alex, what have you made of Havertz's performances in the last three games? Because what we're seeing for me now is why Mikel signed him over a profile at Madison or a Mount in terms of arriving into the box. This guy's a poacher. And look at all the goals he scored so far this season. I mean, those are strikers' goals. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think he, at his best, uh, you know, the, the, the foundation and the fundamental building principles of every player has to be like getting your passes off, making sure your touches are right, making sure you're fit, making sure you're confident, making sure you you know, you know you do everything, all the basics correct. That hasn't always been the thing for Habits. The question has never really been 
the capacity of what he can do. It's been about the foundations and the fundamentals and can he, can he bring that to the team? Now we're beginning to see those foundations and fundamentals in place and then we're starting to see what he can be. And there's so many things. You know, if you look at his tackles and interception numbers, they're not they're not a million miles off rice. Like if you really look at them, they're, they're really not far off. Um, and add, added to that, that he can be that physical presence. If you look at how he was used in the sort of last 10 minutes against Wolves, he was just put on the right-hand channel and Rye was just, just told, give it to Habits, give it to Habits. And he knocked it down for Eddie about four or five times consistently, really, really, really cleanly. Um, he can be used in so, so many different ways. But personally, j- just to go back to the Luton thing very quickly, I didn't like the setup personally. I know George disagrees. I thought Kivior was a bit poor on the night. He was okay. well, he wasn't poor. He was okay. I just thought he was too far wide. And I appreciate what we're trying to do is we're trying to split the um, and create some space in the midfield. But I think the lack of Zinchenko meant Erdegaard and Jesus were both pulled back a bit a bit too much. Then we got to the final third and we were overloaded. So I didn't like the setup. But what we did see is a different sort of role for Havertz. We saw him doing something completely different against Luton, completely different different against Wolves, completely different against uh, whoever we played in the game before. So it's that variability and versatility between games that we're starting to see. There's certain players, and I'm getting a sort of um, an idea at the minute for a, for a video of like what changes for Mikel and what is stays the same. Like for example, we will always have touchline players. They may not be wingers, but in the final third, we'll have those two players right on the touchline to split the defence. That feels like it never changes. But lots of other things, specifically like Havertz, how his role moves from game to game to game is completely pliable. But you can only do that with a player who has the skill set that Havertz does, being able to operate in so many different zones, do so many different things. And as I say, with the fundamentals and the confidence, I think we're, we're beginning to see that. Six goals against Lens, two against Wolves, it could have been easily four, and four against Luton. George, is Arsenal's attack finally starting to click? And if so, what's been the change? How has Mikel got it to work? Well, that's now, um, is it two or three games that that front six have been able to actually play together? Um, it's, it's, it's a factor. It's a factor. And um, I think that uh, some, of the, uh, some of the opposition that we've played, we have to acknowledge some of that. It is, it is, a, it is a little bit easier to score goals when you've got uh, the defenses that we've lined up against. But at the same token, you've got to uh, kind of credit the change in role because I think it has everything to do with that. Um, I, I do believe that the midfield issues in us being able to get up the pitch have been a problem. And I think that isolating our wingers 1v1 has been a problem in the past. And, um, you know, I, I look at Martinelli this season, somebody who I feel has, yes, had less production, but look at the amount of big chances that he's been able to have 1v1. They've been markedly reduced. And so when you have reduced effectiveness in that way, you've got to look at ways that we can generate chances more sustainably. And I think that's been the critique of Arsenal pretty much, the only critique of Arsenal this season, is the chances created. I, I think if you were going to be looking at the team, you can't critique the defense. You can't critique in our effectiveness of arriving in the box, by the way. We're still, if not first, second, and closely second to that. Um, we have amongst the highest field tilt, so we're field tilt FC. We control games beautifully. Um, the one area of the pitch that you can maybe argue Arsenal aren't elite at or stellar at is still chance creation. And a lot of that had to do with central progression. And I think that when you switch the roles to see what we've done, that has been the biggest uh, kind of benefit of us seeing an attacking fluidity jump in the short term. Let's keep our players fit. And I do argue, I think that we have more to come, especially with Thomas Partey, who again has been a non-factor all season 
when you add something like that to the midfield, you're going to get the ball into the area a lot quicker. You're not going to rely on your players to drop deep as much to go and help progress play. And you're going to allow them to basically be in a position to receive in more dangerous areas. So there, there is a little bit more to come. Um, I still think that we can do a bit more in our build-up tempo. I will say that that is something that I still see as an issue for us. We do get lulled into this trap of because we control games so effectively, we can almost move possession stale. And I think that we need to combine a little bit more vertical uh, kind of intent with making sure that we keep the ball. And and I think that's a balance we're still trying to strike. Uh, I did want to shout out Ben White. Thought he was huge on the day. Um, And if you do look back, the last 20 minutes, there were three players that really stood out for me. Of course, Martin Odegaard and Bakayo Saka seemed to take over. They didn't want to lose the game, but a big one was Ben White for me. I, I would encourage everybody to kind of look back, count how many runs Ben White makes after the 75th, maybe the 80th minute. And it's just constant. And that for me, that dynamism on the wings combined with kind of the buildup tempo and our switch and midfield roles are the marginal gains that we weren't seeing at the beginning of the season. I don't think that we were um, as quick in our buildup. I don't think our midfield role suited Odegaard in terms of being the highest midfielder. And I certainly don't think that we've been able to have enough dynamism on both wings that has allowed our front players to be in more 1v1 situations. So that's my little coaching aspect for why, but also front six kind of playing together for two or three games. That helps. (laughs) Yeah, it does help. And Arsenal are very good going forwards. But defensively, we've been very decent, I'd still say. It's just that we've made a few mistakes. And a certain David Raya made two of them. Massive clangers. More than decent. It's absolutely the best defence in the league. Just exactly. because we have the most errors leading to goals, that actually points towards individual issues. But the defence itself, least shots on target, least XG conceded, least corners conceded, it's undoubtedly the best defence in the league. Yeah, and least amount of yellow cards as well, which we'll talk about in a sec. But David Raya, Alex, you, you, we're all massive fans of him. You know, we're, he's an Arsenal goalkeeper. Of course, you got to support him. But uh, two mistakes in this game, it could have been very costly, you know. And I feel like if we had drawn that game or lost that game, there would have been a far bigger, you know, people, much more, far bigger of a talking point. And people will be talking about it on Twitter or the X. It'd be viral. It'd be everyone's talking point. And now it feels like it's kind of a side topic now. Everyone's going, okay, the attack's clicking and Odegaard's amazing. But we need to talk about David Raya because to win a title against Man City, you need to have perfection. You can't make mistakes. And at this stage of the season, we're getting away with it. But as we get to the latter parts of the season, you know, if he is to make a massive clangor like Ramsdale made last season, fans are unforgiving. What do you think is happening with Raya in terms of, is it just a one-off mistake? Or is it, you know, something that maybe we could look into a bit further? Thanks for checking out the Canon Podcast. To hear the full episode, sign up as a YouTube member on this channel or go to patreon.com forward slash the Canon Pod. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.